Hey everyone, and welcome back to the M&M Hockey Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Alex Metzger. And again this week, uh, my co-host Chase McCallum is not with me. Uh, we do apologize, it's been just a busy kind of time recently uh, with stuff going on and which just hasn't been able to work scheduling-wise. So, um, But with the playoffs get, getting around the corner here, I figured we didn't want to go too many weeks. You know, we, we, I took a break. Uh, I, I didn't record by myself last week, as you may have noticed, and but I figured I should this week because um, we all obviously want to get content out and I appreciate everyone listening. And uh, it wasn't for lack of trying that there's no guest today. I, I think I reached out to six or seven different people and... Just everyone happened to be busy or couldn't make it work. So uh, it is what it is. We'll roll on. I got some pretty positive feedback, honestly, about the post-trade downline episode that I did two weeks back uh, now. And I uh, sincerely appreciate all the feedback from from everyone that uh, that gave me, you know, their opinions and everything. So that was really kind. And again, I appreciate the kind words. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to talk about some, you know, this will probably be a shorter podcast, but I wanted to talk about some, you know, big news that's taken place since um, we last recorded. And, uh, you know, just taking a look at some of the playoff races here and whatnot as we are getting down to the um, final week or two of the regular season. You know, I think it's uh, a week and a half away as recording this. I believe it'll the playoffs or the, this regular season ends next Saturday, I want to say. And then the playoffs start on the Monday, if I'm not mistaken. Or maybe it's the Friday to the Monday. But playoffs will start in, uh, not this coming Monday, but the Monday after. So that that's really exciting. And um, a couple teams have clinched their uh, their ticket already. So we'll get to that. And then also some other news that has been uh, surrounding the league. And let's start in the Metro. Because one of the teams I wanted to hit on was the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, they have clinched their playoff spot. The division has not been clinched by any means yet. Uh, the Devils are three points behind them. They do have a game in hand on the Devils. Uh, Devils are at 74 games played at the time of recording, so that's eight games left. And the uh, the, the Hurricanes have nine, excuse me. But uh, the Hurricanes are unfortunately going to be without Andrei Svechnikov for the rest of this year, which uh, just an absolutely brutal stroke of luck. Um, that is a massive loss. And... and the Hurricanes, it's going to be interesting to see. I think they'll still be fine in terms of, you know, they're still going to be favored in a first-round matchup. And and quite honestly, regardless of if they play the Devils or the Rangers, I think they'd be slightly favored in a second-round matchup. But no doubt that losing, you know, a star player in Sveshnikov like that is going to hurt, especially for a team that, you know, they definitely didn't go all in at the deadline. And, uh, you know, we're expecting to have Max Pacioretty to score some goals as well. And Obviously, that just didn't work out either. So, um, you know, Svechnikov, he wasn't having an all-star year. Like, he, he's always a guy where it feels like he's bound to break out even more than he already has. But 23 goals in 64 games, I mean, like that's still close to a 30-goal pace. That's not anything to, to sneeze at, you know. But it's just one of those things where he always felt like a guy who could maybe break into the 35, 90-point barrier. But even with points going up this year... He's at 55 points in 64 games. But still, regardless, a a big loss for a team that, you know, um, struggles to score at times. And it's not like they they can't score. It's not the Carolina teams of old by any stretch of the imagination. But, um, you know, they... uh, the roster looks a lot stronger with him him on it, that's for sure. You know, you can bump a couple guys down to a, a third line as needed when he's there, and he obviously just on the power play as a scoring threat as well. So, um, you know, their, their team is going to be interesting to keep an eye on. I, I still think they are the best team in the Metro, but it's definitely not by a not as wide of a margin, you know, without, uh, without Andrei Svechnikov. So, um, you know, and then I mentioned the New Jersey Devils are chasing them, and they're right on their heels. Uh 
you know, both teams haven't been great as of late. Four, five, and one for the Hurricanes in their last ten. Four, four, and two for the Devils. So they're both just kind of playing okay right now. But uh, it'll be an interesting race down the stretch in the last ten games here. And probably out of it in terms of the division lead, but honestly, not out of it for home ice. Uh, definitely not out of it for home ice, and not fully yet out of it for the division lead either. Is the New York Rangers, who are eight one and one in their last ten on a W three. Uh, they're at 98 points in 74 games. So two points behind the Devils, five points against the, behind the Hurricanes. Hurricanes have a game in hand on the Rangers. So that, that's why I think they're probably out of it for the division lead. But I, for what looked like it was going to be Hurricanes-Devils as the top two by a long shot uh, for most of the season, the Rangers are, they're storming back here. So, um, you know, that's another team that's going to be interesting because I, I, I don't know how I feel about them come the playoffs, you know, like, Patrick Kane, you know, yes, he, he's, he's scored a couple goals since coming over. Um, you know, he's got five goals, four assists for nine points in 13 games. It's fine, but he's also still such a defensive liability. I'm just not sure what's going to be there. But, um, you know, they, this Rangers team is absolutely on fire. and there, There's no doubt that they're going to be uh, a team that you've got to keep your eye on in the first round or two for sure. And then uh, the Islanders and Penguins, 87 points for the Islanders. They're in a playoff spot right now. The Penguins... Just clinging on to the last wild card spot at 82 points. Uh, the Panthers have 81. Uh, as I'm recording tonight, they just stormed, they they came back against the Leafs to win in overtime uh, in a game where honestly I didn't think they deserved one point, let alone getting two. Is absolutely huge for them as they are now only a game back of the Penguins. They do have one more game played. Um, and then the other teams in the Metro, the the Capitals have 77 points. You know they just kind of feel out of it. They're at 75 games played. So. Uh, and then, obviously, the Flyers are at 70 points and the, the Blue Jackets uh, in the race for Batard down at 53 points. So, um, you know, going over to the Atlantic, the Bruins have already clinched um, the division. And they're, I think, either they clinched the um, President's Trophy tonight or they're a game away from doing it, which is just absolutely absurd. I, I think it was, if they did it tonight, and I again, I, I didn't check to see if whatever stipulation came through because I just figured it would be a guarantee they will do it in the next game or two. But if they did it tonight, it was going to be the third fastest in NHL history, apparently, which is just absurd. So, um, yeah, the Bruins are in first. They've clinched the division already. The Maple Leafs are the other team that have clinched a playoff spot. Uh, they are now six points up and with the loss tonight in overtime. They are six points up on the Lightning and still have a game in hand. Um, so, again, they feel really good to have home ice. Uh, and then the Lightning are at 92 points. They're going to clinch. It's just a matter of time. I would assume it's probably a game or two away. In fact, honestly, the Panthers winning tonight might have been the reason that they didn't clinch, just looking at it uh, from a broad point of view. But um, they're at 92 points in 75. And then, as I mentioned, the Panthers at 81 points in 75 games. Uh, they're 5-4-1 and one in their last 10. They haven't played amazing. Sabres are 3-4-3. Three, and three. Uh, They're at 77 points in 73 games. Sens are at 77 points in 74 games. They're 3-6-1 and one in their last 10. And the injuries just keep piling up for the Senators, man. Like, I, I'm going to do a, a last word on Sens podcast soon, but Chitron's out. Shabbat's now out for multiple weeks. Like, they just cannot catch a break this week. Uh, it's just been tough luck for them all around. So, um, you know, again, like, at seven at this point, 77 points when, you know, you're, you're five points back with seven, eight games left, you know, nine games left in terms of the Sabres. It just feels not not possible, definitely not expected, you know, down in under 10% for sure for those teams to make the playoffs. So, um, 
It looks, it really does look like the the playoff race is going to come down to the Panthers and Penguins. You know, uh, I think you got to toss the Islanders in there, I guess technically with five points. But the, honestly, the Islanders look like they're getting close to clinch as well. Um, so, and, and with Sorokin in that, I feel really comfortable that the Islanders are going to get just a couple more points here and there uh, to close their way out. Um, you know, like it just kind of seems like the natural thing that's going to happen when you mention all three of those teams. Obviously, you have Bobrovsky in net for the Panthers, and he's been. Uh, he just hasn't been reliable in terms of um, consistency. Uh, you know, he, he's a great goalie sometimes and then can't stop a beach ball <laughs> other times. It's just, it's really weird to see. And then obviously um, Tristan Jari, I, I like him, but, you know, he's not always healthy. And let's be honest, he's not the most consistent guy in the world either. And then you have Elias Sorokin, who I think has a legit case, even with how good Shesterkin was last year, that Sorokin's make can make a legit case over the past two, three years. He's been the best goalie in the league. So that's just how damn good he is and how much, you know, why I have so much faith in that Islanders team. Uh, between the Panthers and Penguins, it, coming down to it, I, you know, I heard someone talking and asked, who would you rather see in the playoffs? And that's a good question. And to be totally honest, I think I would rather see the Florida Panthers just because, I mean, I'd rather see the Ottawa Senators, if I'm being honest. But out of the two teams that it's coming down to, the Panthers, because I think, you know, A, I mean, I don't know. I, I, it kind of feels like it's done for this Penguins team anyways. But I think losing or missing out in the playoffs would at least fully signal that their big changes are going to come. If they just lose in round one, six games of the Bruins or whatever, I don't know how much is going to change. Um, but also, the Panthers, to me, feel like a team with still more upside to give, you know? Like... The, all their underlying metrics have been solid this year, and obviously I've made no secret what I feel about uh, Paul Maurice as a head coach, but to, you know, like to his credit, well, honestly, I don't think it's to his credit. The team is just good in general, but they're third in Corsi, four at five on five this year. They have a 53% expected goals, which is fourth in the entire league. Uh, Carolina and New Jersey are two teams ahead of them, and ironically, Calgary. Pittsburgh's right behind them. Like, Pittsburgh has been playing really well as, as well. But I, I just feel like even Florida, they just have some more. They have the high-end talent. Obviously, Pittsburgh does too. But Florida's got still, even with the cap crunch they went through last year, a little bit more depth in that medium to low part of the roster, which the Penguins just do not have. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think I would rather see Florida in. I wouldn't hate to see. Like, I, I think either team would be fine. And, and quite honestly, I don't think either team stands a chance against um, Boston either way. So it doesn't really matter. But... Um, yeah, out of the two, I think I would choose Florida. I'd like to give a shout out to our sponsors at Athletic Greens. Their signature AG1 replaces key health products in one simple scoop. AG1 combines nine health products working together as one, replacing your multivitamin, multiminerals, pre and probiotics, immunity support, and more. That means AG1 does more for your body and saves you time, money, and confusion compared to taking multiple unique products. Simply follow the link in the show description and get started today. Uh, on to the Western Conference now. Uh, the Minnesota Wild have been maybe the sneakiest, hottest team in the league. Um, they are playing the Avalanche as I'm recording, and I unfortunately don't have the game on to uh, check to see how it's going. But the Colorado Avalanche and Minnesota Wild are the two hottest teams in hockey right now. Minnesota is in first in that Central Division, and I bet you if you asked... A lot of, especially Eastern hockey fans, you know, with that East Coast virus, who is the be the top team in the Central? Not the best, the top team. A lot of people would say Colorado. 
I think just naturally. And because they're 9-1-0 and in their last time. They have been absolutely dominant recently, too. Um, but I think most people, and honestly, before even looking at this, would have said Dallas. Uh, and because Dallas has been, you know, they're six, three and one, they haven't even been bad. Um, but they've just been on top of that division for a while, but, uh, Minnesota, 95 points in 74 games, uh, that puts them first in the conference in the division, uh, and second in the conference third, I guess, technically, uh, behind the Kings as well, but the avalanche 94 and 73 and the stars 94 and 74. So the wild are currently up two one at the end of, uh, the first tonight. That is a massive game for the standings because if the wild can win that especially in regulation they pull three points ahead of both the avalanche and the stars um you know they'd have a game uh, they'd have one more game played than both of them but just an absolute wild run from the minnesota wild here and it's bittersweet because philip gustafson has been a massive reason a reason why and um, you know, if you, again, if you don't know that name, I don't totally blame you um, because he had played 20 NHL or 25 NHL games up in the, this year. Uh, 24-year-old, he was drafted by Pittsburgh and actually came over to Ottawa in the Derek Broussard trade uh, in 20, I want to say 17. It was the year after his draft, I believe. Um, and then, you know, looked good in a short stint with Ottawa in 2020, 2021, but it was only in nine games. He posted a 933, so he did show the upside, and then he got a bit more of an extended look last year. He split time with Forsberg down the stretch and, and didn't look good in 892, and Ottawa, you know, I'll say it, they panicked, and they traded him one for one for Cam Talbot, who fortunately hasn't stayed, couldn't stay healthy at all this year, um, you know, just and really, you know, he, he was okay, but, uh, Gustafson, on the other hand, has played 34 games this year with a 932 save percentage. Again, he's only 24 years old. Uh, I didn't see this out of Gustafson, to be honest. And again, if you told me he's going to be an elite starter going forward, I, I still have my reservations. But definitely bittersweet as a Sens fan. But he's been a massive reason this Minnesota team has been able to do what they've been doing. And then on the other side of things, Mikko Rantanen and Nathan McKinnon have been absolutely amazing. You know, I think underrated part of the Avalanche storyline is that Gabriel Landeskog is still yet to play a game for this team uh, this year. So, um, that again, something to just keep an eye on if he'll even be ready for playoffs. You know, I, I hope he is. I haven't really checked on any reports, but I think that is an underrated part of this team. You know, again, everyone just has some naturally favorites coming out of the West, honestly, and I think it's fair to have them as favorites. But, um, you know, they're going to face some competition, especially in their division. And then you have Dallas at uh, 94 points, 74 games. So none of these teams have actually clinched a playoff spot. But uh, all three of them feel very, very, very likely. Um, fourth in the division, you know, a long ways away is the New York uh, the New York Jets. The Winnipeg Jets at 85 points in 75 games. Um, again, they are just clinging on to the last wildcard spot. I'll get to the wildcard race in a second. But they're, they're a really interesting team. Um, again, they, they started... Started pretty hot this year, and with Hellebuck, I think people kind of thought, oh, new coach, here we go, and, you know, but if you ask any Jets fan, they're not thrilled with this team, and it's easy to see why. 5-5-0 five, five and oh in their last uh, 10, and on an L2 right now, you know, they feel like such a streaky team, and they, they're gonna, I think they're going to be a playoff team. I, well, it's not a guarantee, but if they do get in, I think they're playing the Golden, they'll very likely be playing the Golden Knights, I should put it, and I just don't love them in that that matchup, you know, like I think they're going to, you know, that feels like a Golden Knights and five kind of situation to me. So, I mean, and it's hard to say with Hellebuck, you know, Hellebuck's been amazing as well. But, you know, we get to the Golden Knights, who again, hasn't, no one's clinched the division in, in the West. Like the Western 
playoff race, again, is a lot tighter than the Eastern ones. Uh, Vegas feels like only a matter of time. 98 points in 74 games. Uh, the Kings have come on strong. Vegas is 8-2-0 in their last 10. They're really getting rolling. The Kings are 7-1-2 in their last 10. And the Oilers are 8-1-1 in their last 10. All three of these teams are absolutely rolling. Um, and it's no wonder why. You know, Vegas at 70, or 98 points, 74 games. Kings 96 and 74, and the Oilers 95 and 75. So, um, you know, all exciting down the stretch here for the division lead and, and home ice. Um, obviously, LA Oilers would be a rematch last year. I'd be okay seeing that. Seattle's really stumbled down the, the stretch here, 88 points in 73 games. You know, they, they look like they, they still will make playoffs, but as they're five points up on the next team back, which is the Calgary Flames at 83 points in 75 games. Uh, just another team I, I cannot, like... Jacob Markstrom has been just terrible this year. Um, it has been honestly astonishing, if I'm being completely honest. Like an 892 save percentage. Uh, funny enough, it's only a 294 goals against average, which really doesn't seem that bad considering his save percentage is sub 900. But that kind of just tells you like how well this Calgary team has been playing, and you know exactly why they probably don't deserve to be two points out of a wild card spot right now. So um, if you ask me what team I want to see in the playoffs, I'd want to see Seattle and Calgary make it over Winnipeg, I think. Uh, the Predators are technically hanging around too. I guess if I mentioned Calgary, i got to mention the Predators. 82 points in 73 games, but again, like three points out of the playoffs. They do have two games in hand on the Jets, I guess, and UC Soros is great. I, I just don't think the Predators team is that good, but I guess I shouldn't count. You know, they, they got to be in the race as well. So, um, you know, I, I but I would rather see Calgary and Seattle both get in. Uh, Calgary, assumingly, would play Vegas then. I, I think that would be a, a decent series, and then Seattle would play whoever wins the Central. Again, I, I think that would be a fine series. So, um, definitely, I, I think I'd want to see that. Um Another team I quickly wanted to mention here before, you know, maybe I look to wrap things up is the uh, the Vancouver Canucks, 7-2-1 in their last 10. I think they won like, I think like 13-4-2 or something like that since the trade deadline or, um, you know, since they made the Philip Ronick trade. They are 34-34-6, so they're back to Batman 500. This team is... That's not good for this team. They've taken themselves out of the Connor Bedard sweepstakes all to be 12 points out of the playoff spot. Like, they're just stuck in the worst point in sports that you can be in sports. You're not bad enough to tank. You're not good enough to make playoffs. And unlike some other teams in the East, in Detroit, Ottawa, and Buffalo, where they're in a similar spot to the Canucks, they're still better than the Canucks by point-wise. But at least you can say, hey, we've been so bad for so long, and we have the committed core here, and we already knew we wanted to make a step, even if it wasn't the big step to playoffs this year. So just getting 70% of the way there is a big success for us. The Vancouver Canucks don't really have that core. You know, obviously, Pedersen and Hughes are amazing. But even Demko, like, I see him getting grouped in with the quote-unquote young core of the Canucks, and it's like... Thatcher Demko's 27 already. He's going to be 28 next year. You know, like, if you told me there's only three years of, you know, there's th truly three years of elite goaltending left in him, maybe, but also, like, uh, the, you know, you can't even count on that. And also, what does that do for the Canucks at this point? Um, you know, they, they they just feel like a team that is always going to be destined to be in this circle right now where, you know, you have Pedersen in the prime of his career, Hughes is in the prime of his career, and then, you know, you, but you're paying a JT Miller contract that's about to kick in next year and they've already want to get off of it. There have been rumors they want to move off of Brock Besser for a while, which is like, great, opens up $6 million cap, but, like, 
like I just don't see where this team's getting better because you know they got to pay Kuzmenko five and a half next year versus the one mil they're paying him this year. Like it's just one of those teams where they're not a bad team, you know, but they were playing bad this year, and that's why. I don't understand the Philip Ronick trade because I think you like they should have committed to being bad this year, tried to be as bad as they can, because if they're going to try and reset and be a bubble team next year, having as high of a pick this year is what you probably want. Not playing a bunch of teams, and this is the biggest pet peeve I think I have in the NHL, just in general, is how often bad, like, shit teams go on a run near the end of a playoff uh, I'm sorry, as playoffs are approaching. You know, I've watched it three years in a row with the Ottawa Senators, and fans fall in the trap every year. It's a running meme with the Buffalo Sabres for eight years now. The Maple Leafs ran into this problem for 10 years between 2006 and 2016. And it's the last 25 games of the year when a team stinks like the Vancouver Canucks. You know, they were not good. They were, I think, six points out of last at one point. Teams just don't take you seriously by the end of the year. And, you know, that sounds weird, but you're getting backup goaltenders. You're getting nights where teams go, oh, we had Carolina last, or not even, we had Edmonton last night. I guess it's a better one for, for out west. We had Edmonton last night. You know, we're going to, you know, obviously not just mail it in, but even playing at 85% versus 100%. And, you know, teams kind of take teams by surprise, and, and that's fine. But I just, every time fans go, oh, we can build off this, and then, but it's like, okay, but building off that needs to be understanding fundamentals that worked in it and how to expect change and stuff like that. Not just going, we won 10 of our last 14 games last year. That means we're going to be a good team next year. Because that's just not how it works. And it happens every year. And this is exact same crap we're going to get with Vancouver, where it's just like, oh, no, but they finished the year hot. It's like, no, all that did was give them the, what, 20th, or not 20th, 10th overall pick, 12th overall pick, instead of what could have been a top five pick. And then next year, they're going to be in the exact same spot. You know, like, what is the upside to this team? I don't understand it. Because the upside to me is sneaking into a wild card spot to lose in round one. And to me, that's the peak of what this roster is going to build towards. You know, which I, I get the owner's going to love the two games of revenue, but like, if your absolute all things go well, is it's probably what the bubble team was a couple years ago where, you know, you sneak into the playoffs. I don't even think that bubble team was supposed to be really in the playoffs. Win a round, get to the second round somehow, and then Thatcher Demko stands on his head to take you to seven games against the Vegas Golden Knights. Like, again, if that is the ups, complete upset, like, I do not see this team making the Western Conference Finals in the next two, three years. And so, if, like, if that's the upside of the team, what are you building towards right now? Um, you know, and, and I get it. Like, I, I think it's often easy, and I say this all the time, trying to remind myself as a podcaster that it's a lot easier for me to sit here and go, well, what's this team doing? You know, this is stupid. This is bad for business. But I get there is a little more to it in terms of the personal level, the business element of it. But when you're Vancouver, there's no way you can't convince me that these fans wouldn't sit through a two, three year rebuild. And, you know, it actually wouldn't be better for business. Obviously, you have to eat some losses now, but you suffer through a two, three year rebuild. You can, you get the, you say, what's the upside? The upside's what LA had for, you know, five years where they win two cups and, you know, get packed attendance. The upside is with the Tampa Bay Lightning and Carolina Hurricanes, even. If you want to know, Tampa Bay is the total upside of it. Obviously, back to back cups, another um, after that, they just sell out the building every night now. But the Carolina Hurricanes are a great example of that, too, where they've really started to fill the building. You know, they've gone on a couple playoff runs now. Obviously, they've had some disappointments, too, but they made a conference final. But 
every year now they're, they're getting fans in that building. And again, they're selling out playoff games. You cannot tell me that rebuilding for two to three years to make playoffs consistently for five to six, if it all goes well, is not a better long-term plan than saying, let's pray and hope we sneak into playoffs every couple of years. Because I say this as an Ottawa Senators fan who wasted the prime of a generational talent in Eric Carlson doing that exact same thing, where their MO was, let's just see if we can sneak in every year. And, you know, they had some miracle runs that were a lot of fun to watch, but were they better off if instead of if they would have just tanked another year in 2012-2013? No, probably not. Or 2011-2012, I should say. No, probably not. Like, they, they would have been better off keeping building the core a little bit more, trying to build around, you know, the, obviously Carlson, get their young, get a couple more young studs in there. But, you know, instead they rushed things and they became just a team that, yeah, again, they made that one conference final run 2017. That was the most fun I've ever had watching hockey. They had to tear it all down after. So, and, and again, I think they made the right decision because I'd rather see them tear it down than just toil away in like 8 to 12th in the conference. Um, so that's my rant on the Vancouver Canucks. I just, I don't know. Like, I just, it's, to me, I can't believe, you know, you see fans. And obviously, you don't want to cheer for your team to lose. That's no fun. But at the end of the day, sometimes you just need to take just a little step back and be like, okay, like, what are, what are we what are we doing here? Like, you know, is there something that uh, we should be smarter with in terms of, you know, obviously, you, you, you don't even need to cheer against your team, I guess is what I'm saying, but like, you don't need to go online and have arguments about how it's actually good that the team is ruining their draft stock for a bunch of meaningless games to their team in March. Um, so, other than that, I don't know. I don't think there's too much else to talk about. Um, you know, I, I don't really have much to say on the Pride Jersey stuff. I think anyone who's listened to this podcast for any amount of time knows where I stand on uh, that situation. I think, you know, it's pretty cowardly some of the excuses people have been using to not not wear it and honestly that uh you know canceling pride nights because of it is just it i don't like it at all um you know uh, it's about inclusion making people feel welcome you know i think it, it's a direct contradiction saying hockey is for everyone um and then saying but also i'm not going to do this little very very minor thing to show my support um so yeah, that I again I I don't really have much more to say on it because again, people shouldn't be shocked to hear that you know I find the the people who don't want to wear it and especially you know with some of the the excuses that have been made they're just kind of they're very weak. So uh, the only other big ish piece of news I can think of is Fanatics is taking over as the the jersey sponsor um, for the NHL. So. That'll be interesting to see how that goes. Obviously, I think if you're online, you know, you could tell what people took away from that. The I'm confused why it's a 10-year deal in terms of the length from the NHL-wise, but it'll be interesting to see what comes of it, uh, to be completely honest. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't have really strong opinions one way or the other on that. So uh, it's just one of those things where, again, I... I Ten year, the length is honestly what surprised me more than anything. I just, I don't know if that's how common it is. Maybe, maybe it is common for other sports to to lock in with a company for that long as well. But you know, obviously, I think Fanatics. It's fair to say they're a bit smaller of a brand than say Nike or Adidas, even. So, um, yeah, um, I don't have much more of a more of a take on that. So, um, with all that being said, I think it's a good point to wrap it up. 
Uh, hoping to be back at you guys again next Thursday. Uh, we're going to try and hit Thursday drops every week to the best of our abilities. Uh, but definitely just keep your eyes on Twitter at NHL Sends Stuff. Chase is on Twitter at CMHockey66. As well as this podcast feed. Uh, that's where, you know, the best place to find us. Uh, you can find all my writing at lastwordonhockey.com. Uh, I think I'm going to try and get a sends piece out about, you know, all the injuries they've had to endure this year. And then I'll definitely be trying to do some playoff stuff too. And there'll be lots of content on this podcast for playoffs. Uh, you can also find my other podcast, Last Word on the Last Word on Sends podcast, sorry, wherever you find, wherever you're listening to this one. Uh, and the last thing I, I, I say, if you like the show, you know, a reviewer rating goes a long way. Um, even just, you know, giving a like or sharing with a friend. Like, we, we sincerely appreciate the support. So, um, thank you very much, everyone, for listening. And we will talk to you all next week.